Delighted that you're here and I hope you've got your Bible with you and eager to take that Bible and study along together. Let's talk a little while about honesty tonight. Honesty is something that is praised by everyone, even those who are dishonest. Even one who is a habitual liar will praise honesty. Someone may say, honesty is the best policy, always, though they may not themselves be honest. Or they may thank you for being honest. If you are honest with someone and give a very blunt and honest statement, they may say, thank you for being honest with me. Or someone may begin their statement by saying something like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest with you. And that's a commendable thing, they think, and it is. Or someone may say, I'm not going to lie to you, here's, here's the truth. They know that's an honorable thing to do. Or even if somebody says something harsh or something disappointed, disappointing to us, we may commend them saying, well, at least she's being honest or he's being honest. I'm just simply establishing that honesty is praised and admired by all. And yet we live in a society wherein we're surrounded by so much dishonesty, whether it be in the school, whether it be in the workplace, be in politics, in the news, maybe even in the family, there's lying, there's misrepresentation, there's cheating, corruption, broken promises, there's cover-up for mistakes, there are ste- there's stealing and embezzlement, there's misleading advertisement, there's taking advantage of others, and on we could go with a numerous list of forms of dishonesty. Honesty is not just a commendable thing that we do occasionally. It's not something that we just put to use when we need it, but it ought to be a part of our character. John Adams, who was the first to live in the White House, said this. He said, I pray, heaven bestow the best of blessings on this house and all who shall hereafter inhabit it. May None but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. Well, so much for his dream, but that's a good thought. And that ought to be the case with every aspect of life. Tonight I want to raise four questions about honesty. We're going to raise the question of what is honesty? Is it in your character? And how do I apply it? And how do I instill it in my children? And how do I teach them to be honorable and honest people? Let's spend a moment defining honesty. What is honesty? What are we talking about being honest? Well, let's take the English word honest. I won't read every word of every definition we flashed before you on the screen, but get the gist, and then we'll give a summary toward the end of this section. The American Heritage Dictionary simply says that it is marked by or displaying truthfulness and integrity, upright, not deceptive or fraudulent, genuine, equitable, Characterized by integrity and truth, not false. Well, dictionary.com says it means honorable in principles, intentions, and actions, upright and fair, like an honest person, showing uprightness and fairness, like an honest dealings. Gained or obtained fairly, sincere, genuine, unadulterated, respectable, truthful, can have to do with humility, and we'll come back to that perhaps a little bit later. You saw in that definition that it has to do with integrity. Integrity is part of the concept of honesty. So let's define integrity. The word integrity, the compact Oxford Dictionary says, it means the quality of being honest and morally upright, the state of being whole, that's important, 
the unified soundness of construction. You may talk about a building having integrity. And so an inspector may come out and, and look at this building and says, this building has integrity. What's it talking about? It is sound. It is whole. That's the point, and we'll get to that in a moment. Now, I won't read all of this. This is from Mir and Webster, the etymology of the word. It comes from a French and then Latin origin. And the word means, you'll see uh, right here, it means comes from a word which means entire. There is the wholeness concept. Again, where we talk about a building having integrity. Or we may say, we can't do this in the building of this house or this building because that will destroy the integrity of the building, the entirety or the wholeness of the building. And so it comes from a word which means uh, to adhere to a code, especially of moral or artistic values, being incorruptible, in an unimpaired condition. That's the idea of integrity. Well, I'm interested in two words that are translated honest in the New Testament. They're not the same word. Vine says, here's what this word means. The word kalo simply means good, admirable, becoming, ethical, has to do with that which is fair and honorable, such as conduct that deserves esteem. It's translated honest in several passages. It has to do with becoming, has to do with that which is a good and honorable heart, something that should be regarded with honor, he said. And I skipped around through that definition without reading every word. There's another word that's used with reference to honest, and this is a word that's used in Philippians 4 and verse 8. Whatever things are honest, think on these things. That same word that's used there. But that word just simply means august or venerable. Uh, that is something that deserves respect. That's the idea of that. It deserves and is honorable of respect. It's something that's honorable or reverent, such as men of honest report. Uh, they are to be esteemed. That's the idea. And here's the summary of what we just saw. I gave all those definitions to get to this point, that when we're talking about honesty, we're talking about being honorable, we're talking about being truthful, we're talking about being genuine, we're talking about being fair, credible, having integrity in our dealings with others. Here's some quotations that may give us some insight to honesty or integrity. Spencer Johnson says that Integrity is telling myself the truth, and honesty is telling the truth to other people. You see, honesty, we'll see, has to do with ourselves, but it also has to do with how we relate to other people as well. Thomas Jefferson said, honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. You want to live a wise life? Start with the first chapter of honesty. Shakespeare said, no legacy is so rich as honesty. You live your life and you die, and when all is said and done, they say that person was honest in every aspect of their life. What an epitaph to be written upon your tombstone. And another said that honesty is the cornerstone of all success. Without this, confidence and ability to perform shall cease to exist. Honesty is the backbone or the foundation of all relationships and areas in life. If you would picture honesty as the foundation that you have on your house and the relationships that you have with other people is built upon that foundation, without honesty, those relationships have no basis to stand and they will fall if there is no honesty. The American proverb says that honesty is like an icicle. Once it melts, that is the end of it. It's then gone. Integrity has to do with doing what's right when no one else is looking. 
not just when I'm going to get caught, but when no one else is looking and I'm doing the right thing, that has to do with integrity. Now we have an idea of what honesty is. I'm more interested in the question, is this in your character? That's not the same as asking, are you honest? Because almost everyone, even the liar, can say, I'm honest, when he admits he's a liar. When, when he says something that's truthful, or at least he's honest part of the time, he can make the claim of being honest, but it may not be a part of their character. So let's talk about what we mean by it. Is it rooted in your character? We're not merely talking about something that you have to prove, that you make some statement and then you have to prove that it's true because it's questionable whether you tell the truth or not. We're not merely talking about something that you parade to help some circumstance, you parade your honesty, or something you occasionally use for your advantage that you display some honesty. But what are we talking about when it's in your character? We're talking about this is part of what makes you what you are. Part of what makes you the person that you have become and that you are respected. It's one of your attributes that's a constant, ever-abiding attribute. It is part of your nature. It's part of the nature that you have. It's part of your temperament and everything that you do in every relationship. Now we're ready to get our Bibles open with some of those background information in, involved. Let's start with 1 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 2. It is a part of the Christian character. In other words, the Bible describes the Christian as an honest, honorable person of integrity. And so the question is, is it rooted in your character? Is it deep in your character? Not a surface thing that if you can get by without being honest, you will. But, but if you have to flash honesty to prove something, then that's, that's not really rooted in your character. This is part of the Christian character. Start with 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. We ought to live honest lives. We ought to pray. This is part of the instruction for the child of God to pray. And here's what they should pray, that they should pray for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead on quiet and peaceable lives or honest lives, some translations will say, in all godliness and reverence. So here we're trying to live an honorable life, an honest life, in all honesty. I believe it's the King James, or at least one translation uh, American Standard, so translates that. Well, let's go further. We ought to do things, the text tells us, we ought to do all things with honesty. Romans chapter 12, as you're turning there, Romans 12 begins a new section of the book of Romans, which deals with the Christian and his relationships, how they relate to all others. Well, he has to do with honesty in this because that's, again, the foundation of all of those relationships. Repay no one evil for evil, but have regard for good in the sight of all men. Well, the King James will use the word honestly. Provide things, uh, provide things honestly in the sight of all men. And so we are to be dealing honestly with all men, all mankind, in our relationships. Sort of be a manner of life in doing all things that we do. Well, let's go to the other reference that I skipped there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in verse 21. The text says, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So not only in our dealing with God, and when what God's going to recognize, deal honorably with people, but in the sight of all men, deal honorably before them all. Well, let's go to another passage. We're just going to list several passages here to build a basis from which we're going to make some application. First Peter 
chapter 2 and in verse 12. Our manner of life, that is how we conduct every aspect of our life, not just at worship, but in the home, at the workplace, at school, our manner of life is to be honest. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they, uh, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Make sure, in other words, that when, when your critics look at you, they have no basis on which to say you're dishonorable. So you provide things honest in the sight of all men, in all dealings with all people. Well, we are to be honest even if others are not honest with us. Let's go back to Romans 12 and uh, verse 17. This again is in the context of relationships. Well, beginning at verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men. Now verse 19 talks about, you're at 321, the enemies that you have. They might not be honest and honorable with you. So the Christian, part of his character is he's to be honest even when others are not. So what we're seeing, that's part of the Christian character. Let's go to the book of Proverbs where we learn that Integrity and honesty, Proverbs will tell us, is better than riches. We may work hard to somehow become very wealthy, or at least to have a, uh, a living and, and then some. We ought to work just as hard at, at, or greater at being one of a person of integrity. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So it would be better to have integrity and have little of nothing than to have an abundance and indeed be one who is dishonest. Let's list some benefits now of honesty. What are some benefits of being honest? Well, we could obviously say the benefit is we're right with God, but let's list some other things that may be found in our text. The word honest is not used in this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, but let's turn there. We're going to look at a couple of things in that context. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5. First of all, if we're honest, we can be content. Um, the principle of honesty is found here. Let your conduct be without covetousness. There is some honesty involved in that. And be content with such things as you have. So one of the benefits and the blessings of being honest and honorable is that we will be content. We've already cited, without reading again, 1 Timothy 2 and in verse 2, that we can live a quiet and peaceable life, an honorable life. Um, and all honesty and godliness. Let's add another one to that. We could be trusted with and have responsibility. In Acts chapter 6, in choosing the seven men to take care of the neglected widows, remember the apostles laid out the qualifications for these seven men. In Acts 6 and in verse 3, look out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this, this business. These are honorable people. They have good reputation. They're honest. One translation uses the word honest. And so here are men who are trusted and they have give, been given responsibility that they will fulfill because they're honest and they're honorable people. Well, Hebrews chapter 13, I said we'd deal with more than one thing in Hebrews chapter 13. Here is the second of those. In Hebrews 13 and in verse 8, we will have a good conscience. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Here is our word honest or honorable, that we would have indeed a clear conscience. Those are some benefits of that honesty. So our question is, is what is honesty? We've understood that. And is it rooted in your character? Is it not just a surface matter, but is it deep in your character? 
Now let's talk about where this fits the, where the rubber hits the road. How do I apply the principles of honesty in my life? You say, I know I need to be honest. I know I need to be honorable. But what are we talking about? How does this, how does the, uh, how does this fit into my life? Well, first of all, we need to be honest with ourselves. It is altogether possible that I could deceive myself and mislead myself, and I'm lying to myself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise, let him become a fool that he may be wise. The context of the division at Corinth over their allegiance to a particular preacher. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. It's very easy to deceive ourselves with reference to human wisdom and human understanding. So I'm learning from 1 Corinthians 3, it's possible to deceive ourselves. If one says he has no sin, he deceives himself, 1 John 1 and verse 8 would say. So it's altogether possible. So how do we deceive ourselves? Well, it may be that we seek to protect ourselves from reality. We see a glimpse of reality and we keep telling ourselves that's not true. And so we deceive ourselves. Maybe we deceive ourselves that we didn't do the sin and uh, we're not guilty. Or it may be that we deceive ourselves in saying uh, that uh, things, I'm smarter than I am. I have more knowledge than I have. So we protect ourselves from reality. It may be that we take a bad situation and make it better for the moment because we make ourselves feel better. And so we deceive ourselves or we lie to ourselves. It may be we refuse to accept the truth. It may be the truth about myself. It may be the truth that someone has told me about my friend. I don't want to accept, and so I deceive myself. It may be it's the truth of the gospel I don't like, and so I deceive myself. It may be we refuse to accept some circumstance or a situation. I'm just not going to accept it, and I deceive myself. It may be that I refuse to acknowledge an error or a mistake or a sin in my life, and I'm deceiving myself. So my honesty starts with how I deal with myself and what I tell myself and what I'm willing to accept for myself. Here's the second thing. How do I apply the principle of honesty? I need to tell the truth and I don't need to lie. Well, the Bible gives us instructions to that. We know lying is wrong, but it's interesting that in writing to Christians, you ought to know it's wrong. Here are a couple of passages that tell us to put away lying. Let's turn to Ephesians 4 and in verse 25. Therefore put away lying, each one speak the truth with his neighbor. Put away lying. That's part of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Put off lying, every man tell the truth with his neighbor. Colossians 3 and 9, do not lie to one another, for you've put off the old man with his deeds. That was what you used to do before you became a child of God. So put away lying and speak the truth. Well, the truth may not always be easy to tell. Some truth is easy to tell, and we don't have to stretch that. But there's some that's not always easy to tell. Maybe when I ask a question and I have to tell the truth, that's not easy to tell, and it'd be easy to lie. Don't craft your words with the intent of misleading where my words may not be actually untruthful, but I can craft my words, and what I'm saying is true, but my intent was to mislead. That is dishonest. It might be in the selling of a product. Don't do that as a salesperson. Or selling something that you want to sell. You may not be a salesman uh, uh, for a business, but you may be selling some product privately. Don't misrepresent the product and craft your words so as to mislead the person where we're intending to mislead. 
or telling maybe what you've done. Maybe you embellish what you've done by just crafting your words in a way that makes it look like you've done more than what you did or you did something you didn't do. And we're crafting our words. Or maybe we report on what others have done. And we craft it in a way that makes them look in a bad light. But what we actually said was true. But we're crafting our words very carefully. So as to mislead. Here's another area of honesty. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to tell the truth and don't lie. But we need to learn to do what we promise. That's part of being honest. We need to be careful with our vows. Let's look at a couple of passages that we need to be reminded of. I think we all understand the principle, as you're turning to the book of Ecclesiastes, that if I outright tell a lie, that's, that's being dishonest. But we need to be careful of the promises we make. We, don't think about, we, we recognize lying is absolutely wrong. We're not going to do that. But we may make promises. Christians are sometimes guilty of making promises, and then they don't follow through on their promise. We need to be careful of our vows, of what we promise to do because of obligations that we have. Turn to Ecclesiastes 5, and then we'll go back to Deuteronomy. Let's get this, old, I recognize this is Old Testament passages, but chapter 5 and verse 4 said, When you make a vow uh, to God, do not delay to pay it. In other words, you make a promise, you do it. For he has no pleasure in, uh, in, the, uh, in fools. Pray, uh, pay what you have vowed. It is better not to vow than to vow and not pay. It's better not to make a promise than to make a promise and then you don't fulfill what you promised. God's very concerned about the vows that we make. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. This was not something new at this point in the book of Ecclesiastes. Go back to Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 and 22, God had that same view concerning vows. It says, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God shall require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you abstain from a vow, it's not a sin. So if you abstain from making a promise, there's no sin in that. But if you make a promise and then you don't fulfill it, under the law of Moses, that was sinful. So here's what I'm learning from that. I'm learning we need to be careful with reference to our vows. Don't make rash promises. What do I mean, rash promises? Don't make careless promises that uh, you just all of a sudden on the spur of the moment you promise and you blurt out and you say, here's what I'll do. And then you haven't thought whether you could fulfill that or not, but you made a promise. And you never fulfilled that. Proverbs 20 and verse 25. It is a snare for a man to devote, uh, uh, devote rashly something as holy and afterward we consider his vows. In other words, he just writes and says, I'm going to give this to the Lord. And then he gets to thinking, well, I don't believe I can do that. I'm not sure I can make that big of a sacrifice, but he's made his vow. And that's carelessness. In other words, what we need to learn to do as Christians is do what you say you will do. This is important. If you say you'll be somewhere at a certain time, honesty says, be there. If you say, I'll tell you what, I'll be at your house tomorrow at 5 o'clock, be there. That's honesty. You made a promise. You made a vow. If you accept a dinner invitation, go. You'd be surprised as I travel in meetings and people are having the preacher in their home, they invite other Christians, how many people promise to come and never show up. We wait dinner and we wait dinner and we wait dinner on people who said they were coming and they never fulfilled their vow. If somebody's invited you to a dinner and you say, I'll come, 
Go. You made a promise. If you offer to pay for something, pay. Don't back out. If you give a price to someone, honor it. If you say, I'll sell that to you for $500. And they come bringing $500. Oh, no, wait a minute. I think I'm going to take, I, I need some more money. You made, a, you made a vow. You said you'd sell it. Honor your word. If you make plans, keep your plans. If you say you'll do a task, do it. That's part of honoring our promise. This is another part of honesty. Don't flatter. It's dishonesty to be involved in flatter. No one appreciates flatter. Let's go to the Proverbs again. Let's get the passages on flatter, and we'll talk about what that may mean in application. The 28th division of Proverbs, and in verse 23. Proverbs 28 in verse 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards than he who flatters with the tongue. Flatter is never pictured in the Bible as an as a admirable quality. Go to the next division, 29, and in verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. No one appreciates flatter. In other words, don't give praise or compliment that's not genuine. Don't go to someone and praise them and, and make them feel better, but you really didn't mean that. Don't tell them they're good at what they do and they look good and, and you praise them and you esteem them and they feel good now, but you really didn't mean that. That wasn't genuine. Don't exaggerate or falsely commend. That's flatter. That's dishonest. Here's another application of honesty. Make your word mean something. This is very closely related to the vow, but a little distinct. Let's go to the New Testament passages in Matthew chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, the other passages ought to mean something to us because it was God's view of vows and promises and our word. But now these are New Testament passages. If we weren't uh, right a little bit by the Old Testament references, these are New Testament passages under which we live. Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You've heard it been said by those of old, do not swear falsely, but perform the Lord your oaths. And in other words, don't, don't swear falsely, but if you, make, if you do make a promise, you ought to keep that. Jesus said, my law goes further than that. I say to you, do not swear at all. And notice now at verse 37, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is evil. Well, James 5 in verse 12 says essentially the same thing. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. What's his point? I don't know that he's talking about, I don't think he's talking about taking a, a judicial oath. But the point is that you should not have to take an oath and put your hand on a Bible and swear. I'm telling the truth to convince someone you're telling the truth. Let your yes be yes. Be the kind of person, if you say yes, it means yes. And if you say no, it means no. Be a person of your word, in other words. Well, it's shameful then to hear the kind of things that we list here about Christians. Someone may say, you know what? I wouldn't put much stock in what he says. Could that be said about you? If you make a statement... And that was revealed to another Christian that said, well, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I don't know if I'd put much stock in that. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, if that's the case, maybe your yes is not yes and your no is not no. Or can, can this be said about you? You can't depend on him or her to do what they say. I know they said they would, but I don't believe they'll do it. They'll never get around to doing that. Said they would, but I don't know. 
Or I just, I wouldn't believe it just because they said it. Could that be said about you? Now, I know they said they would do that. And I know they said they, they will fulfill that. But I don't know that, I just wouldn't believe that. Just because they said they will. They don't do what they say. Or does anyone say this about you? I'll believe they'll do that when, when I see it. I just don't know about them. Or you better get that in writing because I don't think this because they give their word. That doesn't mean anything. The Christian's word ought to mean something that has to do with honesty. Here's another application of honesty. Pay what you owe. We ought to pay our taxes, Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. Honor to whom honor is due, tribute to whom tribute is due. Pay our taxes. You have every right to complain about the, the rate of taxes. Vote for who you want to to change your taxes. But when taxes are due, the text says we ought to pay that which is, is our due. And pay our debts. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. That is, here's a debt that you can never get paid off, but other debts you pay. It is dishonorable and dishonest to charge something, never with an intent of paying that back, and I never pay my debt. In other words, we ought to practice honesty in this manner. That it becomes our habit and our nature and we don't think about what we're saying or doing because it's just going to be indeed honest. Now, let's raise this last question quickly and the lesson will be yours. How do I instill honesty in my children? How do I do that? Let's start with this. Be an example of honesty to your children. Children learn by what they see, like mother, like daughter. Uh, uh, Ezekiel 16 and in verse 44. See, they know, children have this art of knowing when you're being honest with them. So you be honest with them. They need to see you honest in the smallest of areas of life. Go to great lengths to be fair and honest. And it'll make a big impact on your kids. We've all heard the story of Abraham Lincoln who walked several miles to return just a few cents. That he accidentally overcharged a customer when he was in business and he walked miles to give it back. How impressive that kind of honesty if your children saw that in you. Let them see you being fair in your dealings with others. Give the benefit of the doubt to others and let them see you give the benefit of the doubt. Let them see that you want to treat your enemy just as fairly as you want to treat your friends. What an impact. When, when they say, I saw somebody being an enemy to mom and dad, and, and they treated that person just as fairly and honorably as they did everybody else. What an impact that would be. Be as fair with others as you are your own friends and your own family. There's a Jewish proverb that says, what you don't see with your eyes, don't witness with your mouth. That's interesting. Part of being an example is you keep your promises to them. That's important. Be where you say you'll be. You say, I'll be at that game this evening and I'll watch you play. Be there. Do what you promise that you're going to do. Tell them, take them where you promise to take them. You say, I'm going to take you this afternoon to the park. You say, that's not a big deal going to the park. It is to them. And if they see you make a promise to go to the park and you never go to the park and you never fulfill your promise, your children are going to learn dishonesty from you. And play with them when you promise to play. You say playing, playing cars or playing ball or playing dolls is not really that important. It is to the child. You promised you'd play. And you didn't do what you promised. They just learned dishonesty from you. Be an example and instill honesty in your children. 
Here's something else we can do to instill honesty. Praise and commend honesty. That's part of our training, Proverbs 22 and in verse 6. Even when punishment is due and they have told on themselves, commend their honesty. Make honesty work for their benefit. Commend and praise honesty. Connected closely with that, correct and punish dishonesty. That's part of training, Proverbs 22 and in verse 6. There needs to be punishment for foolish behavior. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod will drive it far from him. Correct dishonesty. Make lying a heinous crime in your house. Children ought to learn that, that I may break something, I may do something else, and I might slide by, but if I ever lie, I'm never going to slide by. That is a heinous crime in our house. And they'll learn the principle of honesty. Here's a fourth thing you can do. Look for teachable moments with reference to honesty. That's part of training. A child in the way that you should go. What do I mean by teachable moments? Well, you see, when somebody else has lied, that might be a teachable moment. But look what this person just did. They've lied to us. When others have shaded the truth, when I say shaded, what they're saying may be truth, but they're shading it enough that they're hiding something and they're trying to mislead. That might be a teachable moment to tell your kids, look what they just did. When others have misled with true statements. When others didn't keep their word and they promised and they didn't show up, they didn't come. That's a teachable moment. You teach your kids, we don't do that. I know, I know we were done that way, but we're just not going to do that. That doesn't happen in our house. When others are incredibly honest and you take note of that, that's a teachable moment with your kids. And then finally, let's reverse the situation. In other words, let's take this principle. How would you want others to treat you? And so you ask your kids these questions. Would you want someone else to lie to you? Would you want others to mislead you with true statements? The child may be wanting to tell the truth, tell something true, but mislead with that truth. Would you want others to mislead you? Would you want others to treat you fairly or unfairly? Do you want others to keep their word to you? Then you need to keep your word. Do you want others to keep their commitments? Do you want others to take advantage of you? You see, those are the kinds of questions that we can ask and reverse the circumstance and instill that in our children. What have we seen? We raised four questions. What is honesty? Is it in your character? How do I make application? And then how do I take that principle and instill it in my children and my grandchildren that they may see the truth? Here's an honesty test question. What would a person who is incredibly honest in every aspect of their life do in this circumstance? When I'm faced with a circumstance and I'm wondering, what, what should I tell? Should, should, I, should I say this or should I not say that? Should, should I kind of hide some information? What would I do? What would a person who is incredibly honest do in this situation? may serve as a test of honesty. There may be one or more present who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith? and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?